This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hey, hey, how are you doing? Welcome to episode 151 of the Sustainable-ish podcast. I hope all is well and I hope you're enjoying this little trip down memory lane that the podcast has been on whilst I and the podcast try and take a little bit of a break for the summer. This time we are revisiting my chat with the very brilliant Lauren from Wearham Out Pads. I did a little listener survey recently and this came out as one of the firm favourites. I think largely because Lauren is so down to earth and real about her experiences and her own journey, which is so refreshing and reassuring, I think, for the majority of us who are also stumbling our way along, finding things out, trying things out, getting things wrong and trying again. So enjoy this one, whether it's your first time or you're listening again, and I will catch you next time. Take care. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hello, my love. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. It's um, it's a bit of an honour, actually, to have you on. I love, I love everything that you do, and I love the um, direction that you're going in at the moment. So let's kick off by asking you to introduce yourself. Well, I'm Lauren. I never know how to introduce myself. <laughs> It's a bit yeah, it's a bit like uh, I'm not great at blowing my own trumpet. Um, but yeah, I'm Lauren and I'm founder of Wear Em Out, reusable period pads for modern women. And um, I'm a mother of four. I'm also a public speaker, a podcast host and um, yeah, knackered. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I describe myself. <laughs> Yeah, I think I put that in my um, author bio for my book. Ordinary knackered mum of two or something. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, when you just start listing off what you do in a day, you'd be here forever, wouldn't you? Basically, yes. I'm just knackered. That just sums it all up. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I might steal that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have a really good old chat today about um, periods and reusable pads and wear them out pads. But can you tell us a little bit? You've got quite an interesting backstory. So tell us a little bit about... Um, your background and the project that you had prior to this one this girl is enough yeah so I used to have a thing what do we call (laughs) these things where we just share ourselves on social media I used to have this thing called this girl is enough and basically I set it up a couple of or three years ago now um, in a bid to overturn this uh, social expectation of women and and also to show my then 13 year old daughter another side to what she was seeing via her YouTube and her Instagram. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm so sick of everybody 
everybody, firstly, everybody feeling that they had to portray this perfect life because yeah. I don't buy into it. And secondly, everybody watching these portrayed perfect lives and feel, feeling they have to level up to it. And just, mm. just this whole bullshit. Sorry, can I swear, Jen? I'm, yeah, go for it. I'll try and hold back. This whole facade that we were all buying into, the people who were portraying and the people who were buying into, you know, we were all stuck in this vortex of, of falsehood I think yeah. and creating this massive thing so I thought I'll just go and just share all my ugly truths of which there are many 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 <laughs> not just aesthetically but also mentally emotionally um I had um domestic violence I've had a troubled childhood I've had lots of stories that I thought other women would probably benefit from hearing mm-hmm. because it kind of well it did actually when I shared, started sharing my stories via Huffington Post and my blog and um, various other bits of press stuff. Um, I, there was this outpouring of women saying that they had a story that was defining them. And mm-hmm. and so I created a book called Filter Free, still available on Amazon. Um, and it's real life stories of real women in a, in a way that was given permission for all women to kind of detach from what they've defined themselves as yeah. and and recognize themselves as a separate being to their stories kind of thing. So yeah, I was doing that for a few years. Absolutely loved that. But I traveled a real journey with that. And one where I've completely emptied out all the skeletons from my closet. Um, very cathartic, a lot of therapy involved. And I've evolved in beyond that. So I kind of got to a point where I was like, right, I want to do something substantial. I wanted a physical product. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to step into the to the woman that I had now become and it was I'm a completely different person I don't want to keep rehashing my past yeah I don't want to stay in that space of pain mm-hmm. um whether it's my pain or taking on the pain of other women I just felt like I needed to move past it it was felt quite selfish yeah. at the time, but it was it was essential work for me so yeah so now I'm all focused on a product-based business which feels a lot lighter although still exhausting um and just feels I don't have to give so much of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. There's so much in there because I think one of the things that I work quite hard to do with sustainable issues, um, you talked about this sort of Instagram perfection and things. And I think there's this stereotype of the, well, there's two stereotypes. There's the kind of eco warrior stereotype yeah. of the, you know, the dreadlocks and the knitting yogurt and living in a yurt. And then there's the sort of Instagram minimalist, zero waste hipster. And I think both of those can be quite um, off-putting and can, you know, people are like, well, I don't want to be like swampy and I'm, and there's no way I'm ever going to be that cool or beautiful or, you know, my life just isn't like that. So, oh, what's left for me? And that's kind of what I feel like sustainable is about. Yeah, kind of bridging the gap. And that's that's the kind of market that I want to speak to, the ones who who want to get involved but don't resonate, that don't don't see anybody around them who is saying it in a way yeah. that they can connect to. Um, and the thing is about life in every area is there is massive spectrums. Yes. And that's the beauty and diversity of life, right? So in every topic, there is a huge swaying spectrum. And I think you're absolutely right. We Well, we need all these we need these different people. Um, one of the things that I always think about with the current climate change um fight if you like um is people who are on these marches and everything and I always have this massive pang of guilt of oh my god I should be marching yeah but intrinsically that's not who I am Mm -hmm. I'm not an anarchist I'm not an activist I'm not out there 
with a placard because yeah. that's not who I am. But I'm very comfortable in the fact that I am doing my bit. Yeah. Just because my bit doesn't look like their bit, collectively, however our opportunities are being shown to us to make change, we are all doing our bit. And I think that's, that is the message that not, that's not reaching as far yeah. and wide. Yeah, it's absolutely. Okay to do your bit. Yeah, and I saw. I think you did a great. It was either an Instagram post or stories or something about that. And I think I wrote um, a blog about that. You know, like X number of things you can do if you if a climate march isn't for you. Right, um, exactly. Because I, I I do agree. I've been on one climate march now, and it was massively out of my comfort zone, exactly. and I felt really uncomfortable all yeah. day. And um, but I'm I'm kind of torn between that. Like, well. We, ne- we need the numbers out on the streets and part of like oh god but it's really I, like you said I'm not uh I don't see myself as a rebel I'm an anarchist and I'm like oh I just oh can I hide um, my placard on the train so nobody yeah, sees me yeah I mean I'm quite, I'm quite rebellious from the safety of my own home and yes. through, the, through the internet but I mean actual on feet on ground and I found that out about myself around the domestic violence you know people used to say to me do you not think you should be working for women's aid or could you not be an ambassador could you not do this and actually I can't that's not who I am mm. I'm really I feel I'm quite an introverted ex- extrovert. Yeah. And I, whilst I'm happy to talk openly about things, I can't, I, I don't do that. Yeah. And you know what? And I said in that post that I think it's incredible that women do, or that people do actually, I should address that. But I, I love that women do that. People do that, but it's just not for everyone. And I also yeah. love that. Yes. That we're not all built the same because we're all bringing something different and we're all um, creating change with the opportunities that we've been given definitely and and again another thing I talk about a lot is this kind of you talked about that spectrum and that you know there is no green and like there's no black and white there's no green and white and it's this kind of messy splodge of green and I'll be different shades of green in different areas of my life and on different days of the week and you know depending on how my mood is and that kind of thing so I think we all just need to cut ourselves some slack and let go of this idea of perfection and stop kind of slamming each other for not doing things perfectly because I don't think there is a kind of perfect really is there you've only got your conscience to live with you know that it always comes back to your conscience and your personal conscience and if you feel that you aren't doing enough have a look around at what else you can do but don't feel that you have to be bullied into behaving a way that doesn't sit with who you are yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, if I'm feeling like I haven't done enough, then I'll look at something I can do. Maybe I'll donate three pounds to Water Aid, you know, and I'll yeah. I'll leave my conscience that way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Don't fight the guilt of the things yeah. that, you're, that you're not meant to be fixing. <laughs> like, yeah, there's enough guilt out there, right? um, you know, especially amongst mothers. Um, oh, so yeah, we don't need another layer of guilt on top of it. Not. And I just wanted to pick up on that bit you said about wanting a a product based business because. Um, did you find that as this girl is enough, it was almost a kind of a campaigning brand almost? And um, it's quite difficult to monetize those services, if you like, and to to generate yourself a revenue whilst not having a physical product to sell. There's something quite different, isn't there, about a product and a service yeah. based? Yes. Um, there's no... Well, Firstly, when I had this girls enough, I tried so many ways to monetize it. Mm. In that, um, I was a woman's mentor. I done coaching online. You know, I tried mm. to, but but women, a lot of women really struggle with paying to help themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's a really really tough market. Firstly, to convince her that she's worthy of spending that money to make herself feel better. Yeah. It's very hard. It's a very hard <laughs> yeah. task. 
firstly. And secondly, it just never resonated with me. I had to, I, like I said, I'm, I'm an introverted expert. I can give so much, but then I have to completely withdraw. Yeah. And you can't do that when you're mentoring people or coaching people. You have to be strong for them. And I don't have it in me to be strong all of the time for somebody else because I find life challenging myself. Yeah. <laughs> quite frankly. So those things never really took off because it just never felt aligned. So basically I had to sell myself as a commodity. Yeah. I'm not equipped for that. I'm just not. So then I did take two weeks off Instagram and um, I spent those two weeks asking myself, what the hell are you doing? <clears throat> you know, either you're going to have to start doing ads yeah, um, <clears throat> and monetizing that way. Or you're going to have to just keep it as a vanity project and just fuel your ego with the numbers racking up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, both options didn't feel right to me personally. I've no objection to anybody cashing in on their Instagram ads if that's what they want to do. But for me, it was not something I wanted to do. It didn't feel. It felt too fragile. You know, the yeah. rug could be pulled at any moment. Sure. If Instagram cra- crashes, that's your whole revenue stream. Yeah, gone. yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to make something a bit more substantial, and I also wanted to give something back that I could kind of throw out and then withdraw and throw out and withdraw <laughs> and, uh, and hold a lot of myself back from it, which I yeah. still share a lot of me, but I have a lot more, if I don't want to be seen, then I can just put up a picture of the pad yes. <laughs> and I can withdraw, which you can't really do if you're your commodity. Yeah. Yeah. So have you always been a, a natural greenie or have you, um, is sort of the eco world a new venture for you or how did all that come about? Yeah, it's kind of new. I wouldn't say I'm a massive eco. Yeah. Um, I think I'm more of a realist in that, you know, we talk, we, we did dismiss plastic, but actually plastic's a really useful tool for yes, us. Yes, yeah. It's but just it's not about eradicating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people have gone a bit batshit crazy around the plastic, like eradicate all plastic. Well, that's ridiculous because what about if you're in hospital and you need yeah. an IV drug? You know, come on, let's at least... <laughs> I know there's other ways we could do it, but I think they're quite far off. So let's just... Yeah him down a bit and appreciate plastic for the use that it has and not abuse it that's the thing yeah as far as the eco go I still don't think I'm a massive eco warrior I think my thing is I'm an empath mm-hmm. and right now I'm feeling for the planet yeah you know I'm feeling for it as a <laughs> as an entity and mm. the, it's an entity that's being abused by greed and consumption and convenience And when I look at it in those terms, I think, well, there's so much that can be done around greed and convenience and commercialism. We can fix that for the sake of this poor planet that's, you know, on its knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I I come at it from more of an empathic opinion rather than... um, a full-on eco opinion yeah but I think that's that's really good to have that balance and I think what you do brilliantly on your social media is that you um you do bridge that gap you do you know you're not or as I sit you're not positioning yourself as this amazing expert who's telling people what to do you're kind of feeling your way as well and I really love how you do that and it's incredibly relatable I think to the kind of average mum in the playground or whatever Mm. I don't think anyone should ever pretend they're an expert in anything (laughs) because you know what 45 years on every day is a a school day yeah yeah yeah. I just and and you know what you can be an expert in something and then the next day new research will come out or a new idea will come out and all of a sudden you're not an expert in it yeah so it's kind of like don't don't position yourself as an expert position yourself as willing to learn yeah to learn um and that's kind of what I do. I mean, everything I share on my social media, I have Google alerts set up 
so that every day I'm getting emails about what's changing around single-use yeah. plastic, what's changing around reusable sanitary towels, and I'm learning daily and I'm feeding back what I'm learning because mm. I think you have to, to be able to educate and empower, you have to come from a standing of I'm right beside you, yeah, learning with you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a much more accessible way of um, making these connections. Yeah, and I think... One of the things I think I'm sometimes guilty of is, you know, I've been doing this for kind of seven or eight years and, and I forget how much I already know. And I assume that yeah. everybody else has internalized that as well and knows that. And it's forgetting yeah. about that, um, you know, lots and lots and lots of people are right at the very beginning of that journey and trying mm-hmm. to. Um, so so constantly taking things back to basics and um, yeah, I think you know, not in a patronizing way, but no. constantly kind of saying, look, this isn't this amazing and you can do this. And I think, yeah, I, I get that hundred percent. Totally. Like you, it, uh, when I was doing this girls enough and it was all about self-help and self-belief and self-worth. And, you know, I had to really remind myself that I was 10 years in that journey mm. and I had learned a hell of a lot of stuff. So now when I'm sharing, I always to remind myself, someone could be reading this for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, and actually that's the audience I want to talk to because yeah. the people who are seven years in, like yourself, who know a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff, you, you know way more than me. I'm not going to pretend that I know. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to try and compete. But my audience is converting the new people. Yes. Converting the heavy word, but educating the new people who yeah. are new to this and who are like scared of this and yeah. not confident in this. And yeah. I want to talk to them because you know, the, the experts, the people who are seven years down the line are already converted. Yeah. And I think that's a lot, a huge amount of where the power lays. It's very easy for me to look at my social media feeds and think everybody's at a certain stage, but there are millions and millions of people who are just sort of waking up to this and looking for new ideas and things. And, Mm -hmm. and if we can air quotes, convert them mm-hmm. um, or get them started on their journey. I really passionately believe that that's where the power lies. Exactly. And that's where I position myself. Yeah. That, that I am, I'm not your teacher. Yeah. I am your fellow student, you know, let's all share together. And I, I never want to be the expert because there's a lot of pressure to know your shit then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd rather be the underdog. <laughs> Because then you can throw out a little gem every now and then. They'll be like, oh, I didn't know Lauren knew that. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't position myself too high. (laughs) Yeah. So you decided you wanted a product-based business. Um, Why did you decide on reusable pads? Um, Because it was really important to me that it would be something that I felt had longevity Mm -hmm. and that would be giving back. I have to have passion in what I'm doing because otherwise it's just I lose, I get bored very quickly. Um, And I was scouting around loads of different ideas and then it just hit me like a bolt from the blue. I've been wearing reusable menstrual products for the last two, three years. Mm -hmm. And I had never found a brand. I'm like, why am I not talking about this more? Why does yeah. it still feel icky? Yeah, why, do, yeah, yeah. why am I not promoting this stuff? Why do I feel still, feel still feel some kind of shame around it? Yeah. And it was just simply because there wasn't a brand that represented me. Right. There wasn't a brand that I felt I wanted to shout about or they all just felt they're all doing amazing work. This isn't like I'm not slagging off what's out there, but there's nothing that res- I resonated with and it just felt functionary right. rather than, oh, my God, look at this. This is amazing. Yeah. And so I just thought, do you know what? There's a whole load of people like me who don't. I am so shocked, Jen, since I started this, of how many women do not even know they exist. Yes. Like, yeah. I am reaching women who didn't even know this was an option, which yeah. is exactly where I want to be. Um, 
because when we know, they... it's not something we talk about every day is no. it? it's not like oh what I'm on my period what are you using and mm-hmm. I did a WI talk the other week and um we were talking about plastics in the bathroom and I just and I had that kind of moment of do I talk about menstrual cups and then I went yes I'm going to talk about men and and nice. yeah. somebody somebody kind of said oh it was really interesting the reaction of the older people in the room were like oh oh she's she's gone there and the, uh, the younger people in the room were like yeah yeah no I, I get that and I use that and it was really interesting as soon as you say it and you probably saw it when you done it at WI as soon as you say it, you see people's shoulders go down yeah you see them make a connection with you in that instant because you because you have gone there. Yes, and it's kind of like there's that that familiarity and that um, when when you say to another woman about talk about periods, there is this softening in them, mm-hmm. and you feel that heart connection then because it's like yes, she gets it. Yeah, she, she has them too. It's that kind of <laughs> hello secret like coming to our gang, um, <laughs> and I love seeing that in women like that permission giving of yeah, let's just have this conversation. Yeah. Some women say to me, oh, my God, but what about if it leaks? And I'm like, but what do you do if you leak in your pants, babe? You're not going to burn them, are you? you know, it's, yeah. Or what if you've cut yourself? Do you freak out that there's blood there? You know, it's, we, yes. it's this, that's, that's the hard thing that we've got to break down. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that period taboo and that kind of yeah. thing, isn't there? And there's a lot of really great work going on at the moment, isn't there, about breaking yeah. that down and about period mm. poverty and all those things as well. So it does feel like... Um, they're becoming conversations that we're having more frequently, I think. Absolutely. About bloody time, no? (laughs) (laughs) No pun intended. Um, (laughs) Now, I'm always absolutely fascinated by kind of having this idea, because I have, you know, hundreds of amazing ideas, obviously, official amazing ideas, and most of the time nothing happens about them. And so you've had this idea, I want to have a reusable pad brand that I really connect with or that women can really connect with, and then actually make it a thing. How, how does that even work? You just stick your head in the sand and just run, <laughs> run like fucking crazy. Uh, that's basically what I've done this year. Um, you've got to have something that you absolutely believe in, for yeah. sure, because it's a really, really tough gig manufacturing a product is not for the fate hearted <laughs> it's a massive financial investment that feels scary as hell you've got yeah. to believe your product and that you're going to make that money back because initially you are you know it's a lot of money yeah um and I think you've just got to you know shut off and go and that sounds really deep but go inward right like, I do not I will not entertain conversations around but they've already done it right or, yeah um, but why is yours going to be different? Yeah. Or but how are you going to be seen amongst the crowd? And, oh, this has been done before. I won't entertain conversations around that because I believe that I'm bringing the first ever wear them out pad, which is fact. <laughs> um, that was one of my questions is, is why does the world need another brand of reusable pads when, as you say, there are already lots of different ones out there and lots of, you know, work at home mums making their own and all those sorts of things. Because there isn't a wear them out pad out there yet. Okay. And it's as simple as that. My product, I, I done an exhibition yesterday and there was a lot of women there who currently use reusables and everything. And I've had, wear, we've done our wearer trials. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a big design process in our pad. We spent a lot of time on the design, um, making it for the modern woman. It's got to be fit for purpose is one of yeah. my biggest requirements. Um, and what's always come back is, God, they look really different or they are really different. Oh, Okay. You would be so surprised by how many different designs you can make. Yes. One purpose, one thing. How many different designs? How many different fabrics? 
the quality of the design. Ours are being manufactured in the UK, which stands wow. quality alone from others already. Yeah. I don't mind saying because I'm very, very, very proud of the fact that we're manufacturing in the UK and yeah. demanding a certain type of quality for our product because that's really important to me and also to the customer base that I know are going to be expecting this kind of quality. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how about the first person who ever re- wrote a book? Yeah. How many yeah. books are there? Are you going to say, I'm not going to buy that book because I've already read one? <laughs> I no, like that analogy. And, that's brilliant. And the other, the other one that I use that's the most relatable is the coffee shop. So you can go yeah. down the high street and you can get coffee, not just from the big chains anymore, but the small independents, John Lewis, M&S, you know, everywhere is doing coffee now, but every single cup of coffee you have will be different because of the environment that you're in, the cup that it's served in, the price that you've paid for it, Every single purchase that we make comes with a different experience. Yeah. So therefore, not one product is the same as the other because mm-hmm. it's bringing a whole different story, a whole different feel, a whole different quality. Um, so I won't entertain any kind of comparison. I just won't do it because it's absolutely futile. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you start down dream. that road. It's just the killer of dreams. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. And, and, and if you choose a product that you love so much, you're so passionate about, then you're going to believe that your product's the best anyway. So there is no comparison. <laughs> now, did you have any, how, how did you go about even designing it and making the first one and sourcing the fabrics? It's all that kind of nitty gritty that I, that just sort of stops me at the first hurdle thinking, well, I could draw a rough shape of a pad, like, but that's not really much help <laughs> to anyone. That's kind of where I started. And then I was saying <laughs> to my friends, oh, you can sew. and then my vision just grew and grew and in my head I'm like no I want to be the the brand leader in this this product um I want where I'm out to be the brand leader I'm not shy of saying it because you have to have a vision and you have to have a goal Mm. and so when the vision was growing in my head and I realized that my friend her sewing machine busted on the third one that we made (laughs) I was just like shit this is bigger than us (laughs) Um, and at that point I decided that I was going to invest in it and to invest in something, you have to leave your ego at the door and you have to say, right, what are the bits that I'm not skilled in? Yes. And designing is not my skill. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I had to start the journey, uh, laborious journey of um, trying to figure out how, who designs them then. Where do you I was going to say, like, do you just put, you know, do you put something out on Instagram? So <laughs> anyone exactly. good at designing Instagram? You know it's, it's a pretty lonely, bloody business. I've got yeah. to tell you when you're setting up something like this. Um, basically I'd done a lot of research and I found there's a made in Britain directory that you, oh, got, wow. you pay hundred quid for and you get all the factories, garment factories I was looking for, um, listed and I just approached loads of them. And then a lady came back and she said, I'm kind of like a bridge between the, um, the company and the factories and material outlets. Now, brilliant. She's a project designer a fabric designer. So she's been on board since January with us and she sourced all the materials and she sources the people who are printing the fabric. And she up to this point is handling factories. We're just stepping in now because it's negotiation point. And my husband is like a dog on heat when you talk about (laughs) negotiations. So um, we're stepping up a bit now as business owners, but she's literally run with it. And the same with the brand. I knew that the brand was going to be a massive, massive, um, one of the biggest decisions that I could make. Yeah. The face of everything. So I got a branding lady who created the brand on my brief and I didn't need to tweak it once. She absolutely nailed it. The branding is absolutely phenomenal. And 
we were saying just before we started recording that like I think you call your blog the blob and yeah, um, your, <laughs> your um, podcast is the periodical isn't it and I'm yeah. just like oh that is just such genius <laughs> well the, okay the podcast was my idea um, right. the, blo- the blob was Kate she's a fantastic brand and this is for anybody setting out on this journey um, obviously your financial investment may not be as big as ours because our product is bloody <laughs> pricey on the- <laughs> And the first, you know, it's costing us to manufacture in the UK and we're going for quality materials and everything. So our initial outlay is quite big. But if it's a smaller product, look at your budgets and really, really nail down where you need outside help. And don't pretend you can do it all because we can't. I'm quite good with ideas. I'm quite good with marketing. um, But I know I can't design. I know that I don't have the, the branding yeah activity that I needed and I have to just swallow my ego and I have to just pay for that yeah because I know that ultimately that is going to be what represents everything yeah yeah and as it, it is such a strong brand if anyone hasn't hasn't seen it yet I'll post the link in the show notes to the to Lauren's uh, to wear out's Instagram and it is just so consistent and so brilliant and Thank and you. still very personal at the same time Mm, that's really important yeah you've really hit that kind of sweet spot of being a brand and still being the person Mm -hmm. behind it or personable as well yeah I think I want people to approach me and have the conversations with me it's so important that the conversation comes first Mm -hmm. um you know when I do public speaking and stuff around this topic I'm saying I don't don't buy my product I don't give a shit yeah please you know so many people like oh I don't have periods I have coils I don't have periods I have menopause Okay, but I'm sure you know 10 at least other women who do. And it's about having the conversation. It's not about me selling a product to you. It's about opening conversation. I've got a solution, of course. No, you know, if you want a reusable, come to me. I'm here. But you might want a cup. You might want the pants. You might want something. My biggest and thing is that we just talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you said they're being made in Britain. Mm -hmm which is phenomenal. I'm assuming that comes with an extra cost. It does. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to try and keep as much cost back to ourselves and not pay it on, but quality costs money. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a real, it's very tempting. It's very tempting to go outside of, of yeah. Britain. Very tempting. But you have to factor in the carbon footprint. Yeah. You have to factor in the quality of the working conditions. Yeah. You have to factor in the quality of the materials you're using and the standard of the work you're getting. You know, that when we were deciding where we were going to manufacture, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was oh, so dazzled by China. Yeah. <laughs> because honest to God, they what you can get for your money there is very tempting, but it has to come back to your own ethics. It has to come for it to be a true brand yeah. with true values and true authenticity. It has to be true to you. Yeah. And for me, quality and um, quality of service and product is really, really important. It just blows my mind that it's cheaper to send materials halfway across the world to China for them mm-hmm. to be made and then be shipped back here, you know, with the carbon footprint that comes with that and that is cheaper than getting someone to make it 50 miles up the road because the quality of work is like the the working conditions yeah oh yeah 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 um you know i i'm very proud of what britain turn out in terms in terms of quality and 
um, working conditions and and that kind of hate like that I can't even think of the word Jen but like this feeling of pride in yeah in what we achieve yeah, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. there's a real nobility around creating in Britain and that's something I feel really deeply about and I've got to absorb a lot of those costs I'm not naive to think that I'm not going to lose out financially. I'm losing out massively financially by making that choice. But it's the, it's the ethos of my brand. Yeah. And it becomes a, a part of the brand and another conversation to have, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. I think where you can do it in, in-house, then all power to you. Yeah. But I totally understand that it's not achievable for all. And you know what? When, I'm, when I am a global success, maybe I will shift. <laughs> But right now I'm standing on my laurels of, um, no, I'm patriarchic, oh, not patriarchy. What's the word? Patriotic. Patriotic. I'm patriotic. Yeah. um, Yeah. This is something I feel really strongly about. So I'm sticking with it. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. (laughs) So what materials are you using for the pads? Okay. So we've just done our wearer trials and we've just nailed our final materials. And it won't mean anything to you if I say 834. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no idea what you're talking about <laughs> yeah they're all coded so I don't uh, my designer knows the actual names of them but I'm looking at a sheet where that's we've got microfibers um that are some of the um you know, we've we've tested loads and loads of materials basically and the microfibers we're using on the inserts are the highest achieving microfibers at the moment you know the most absorbent right the thinnest the the best ones that we could find because yeah. it was really important to me that they were comfortable and that and as small as possible but also took the maximum hit because mm-hmm. that's really important the confidence angle is really important yeah so we've got a plastic layer which is the leak proof layer at the bottom yeah we've got the microfiber depending on which size pad you have the microfibers obviously get bigger yeah the nighttime one has two different microfibers in it um, and then just the top layer, which feels like a knicker gusset. Right. Um, it's not a cotton. Okay. I do know. I, had, I would need my piece of paper to tell me because the final ones were chosen. But it feels like a knicker gusset. It's anti, it's moisture wicking. So it right. um, moisture away. So there's less bacteria. They're very yeah. breathable. They're very dry to touch. Yeah. I'm pretty bloody proud of, of what we've created, I have to say. And our wearer tries came back and absolutely overwhelmed me with um we did have some critiques which is what we asked for yeah and that we, little tweaks we're going to make but overall they've had such an incredible response that's amazing mm. so just to quickly touch on microfibers because they are synthetic or my understanding is they are yeah. synthetic fabrics and there is um so therefore microplastic release when they're washed is mm-hmm. that limited because it's sandwiched between two different layers or is that well I'm not going to lie to you I don't know okay (laughs) is is the thing of that when I started making these pads there was this do I go full-on eco-organic yeah I started looking down that route I'm not going to lie I started looking down that route and you know what every material that I came up against there was an argument for why it was still not sustainable yeah bamboo is not sustainable Mm -hmm. cotton is not sustainable it seems like if you go down to the bare roots of every single thing around us nothing is sustainable so at that point you have to start thinking okay so what are my objectives my objectives are that I want it to be really absorbent okay so what materials offer that is that something we're willing to offset yeah Um, and it's the same with the plastic layer you know I I get challenged all the time on this Jen as you can imagine and I'm it's another one where I'm like, do you know what? Make your own pad then because yeah. 
I've made the choices with what I've got, with the education I've got, the materials that I've been offered. I have had to make these choices myself yeah. to create a pad that are fit for the purpose that are, are my objectives, mm-hmm. which are, yes, there's a plastic layer on it, but they last three to four years. Yeah. Yes, there are microfibers, uh, microplastics in them, but not as many as you would be using in every single tampon that you Yeah, sure. Out. And also you're not going to be absorbing them into the body. Yeah. You know, so if you, t- it's, it's just not as simple as, and this yeah, really never is. it really pisses me off when people take one thing. Yeah. Like yesterday I was exhibiting, I was giving away, um, naively marshmallows, hadn't thought about the fact they're not vegetarian. See, cause I'm human, <laughs> but thankfully I had thought about the fact that they ring, I gave them out in compostable bags and not plastic, but I got pointed at, are they plastic bags? Yeah. No, they're not. And it's judgy people that shut these conversations down and piss me right off. <laughs> because, you know, if, you, if I am bringing a product that is going to remove that many tampons and that many disposable pads, there has to be some give. Yeah. If you want to use a wad of cotton, absolutely knock yourself out. Those pads are available. But please know that your cotton is not sustainable either. Yeah. And also that you're probably not going to get the confidence that you get with a pad that has been tweaked to accommodate the modern working mother who is spinning 50,000 plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can really do without leaking out in Tesco's. (laughs) You know, so I'm open for these conversations, but we all have to be realistic as well. Yeah, it's about that, like we talked about at the very beginning, about that spectrum and the this ideal perfection that doesn't actually exist just by the fact that we live in this consumerist society and all those sorts of things. So, um, but certainly in, in I'm just all about offsetting. Sorry, Jen, I'm feeling really passionate. That was such a great question. And it's, I love it because it's made me go inward a bit and get a little bit like I need to defend my stance, but it's about offsetting. And I will always stand by the fact that it's about offsetting. Yeah. It is unarguable that by using um, a pad that has some microplastics in the filling, that that is not the better option to throwing out 200,000 tonnes of menstrual waste that hit landfill in the UK every single year. Yeah. That's not an argument. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And there are, I mean, we've got like a a bag called the Guppy Friend that um, has a microfiber filter in it. And I think washing or I hope washing machine manufacturers are waking up to this and starting to when your new machines will have filters in them um mm. that kind of stop that so you you know once but you've got a, a guppy but listen that would be great so what what talk to me about this guppy bag so it's called I think it's called the guppy friends I'll post a link to it in the show notes it's Please about do. the size of a pillowcase right um I'm assuming it is actually why don't it you know it feels kind of shiny and synthetic and the idea is that you put all your synthetics in the bag um, and then, so anything, you know, nylon, acrylic, um, mm-hmm. sportswear, all that sort of thing, fleeces, um, put it in the bag. Um, you need to put other stuff in the machine as well. Otherwise it's just this big bag going around that doesn't spin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it captures the microfibers. Like I don't think it captures hundred percent, but it mm-hmm. captures, you know, and I, and I do sort of find, I could take great satisfaction in picking the little bits out that it captures in the corners right. and things like that. So that will capture, um, the microfibers. But the other thing I think with, pads I'll ask you in a minute about washing them but I spoke to somebody um Ruby who does uh Waka um oh the knickers the, yeah. the, the pad the pants um and she says like she literally you know she'll take them she'll 
stand in the shower and just sort of paddle on top of them. That's what um, I do. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> funny. I wash mine in the shower too. And then, yeah. and then just hang them on the radiator. So they're not going through that very kind of rigorous washing cycle, which helps the, the product's longevity, but also helps to limit the number of um, microfibers that are being shed as well. Well, once a month, I do put mine on a 40 wash, I'll be yeah. honest. Um, but yeah, that's great advice. And that's, that bag sounds fantastic. And it's conversations like these that where we're all sharing. Oh, okay. Yeah, my pads have got some microfiber plastics in them. Okay, here's a bag that will minimize that. Mm. about minimizing? Yeah. We're never going to eradicate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're naive to think that we will. Yeah. Because we're not actually in control of a hell of a lot of this stuff. Because yeah. like you say, I didn't make the washing machine that filters all this crap into the sea. That's not on me. You know, yeah. all right, I've made, so th- this can go on and on and on. But it's finding solutions, not problems. Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, if you've got a pad that performs for the modern woman that's doing what it needs to do, and it has absolutely, without doubt, without question, minimised a hugely impactful, harmful, impactful um, effect on the environment and our health, then I don't care that it's got a few I'm sorry I don't (laughs) yeah so let's talk about um the practicalities of reusables because I know that's that's something that really really puts a lot of people off um hit me up with some stats if you've got them I think you mentioned 200,000 tons did you how how much of a problem is disposable are disposable menstrual products absolutely huge you know and I know people are like People seem more worried about nappies than than mm. products, but actually, kids are in nappies for what two years. Yeah, we're wearing this stuff for thirty years. Yeah, and beyond because bladder weakness is is all yes, over the place yeah. now. Ten ladies are, are laughing at us right now, but um, you know, it, it's I, th- I think the menstrual waste is a, a far bigger problem than the nappies because of the the amount of years we use them. Although we're not using them every day, I, I you know I haven't got actual graphs of this stuff, but <laughs> I think at, collectively as women we could make an enormous change environmentally. And it's not just environmentally, it's our health as well. Mm. Environmentally, yes, 200,000 tonnes, which if you consider the weight of a menstrual product, whether it's a tampon or a pad, visually, that is a huge mass. Yeah. That is taking 500 to 800 years to decompose. And they don't just sit there quietly somewhere. I heard yesterday someone say that Jane Austen, if she had been using these menstrual products, Jane Austen's would still be sitting in landfill. Yeah. They're not sitting there quietly pretending that they never got used. They're emitting crap into the atmosphere all the time. Yeah. And the crap that they're emitting is they're up to 3,000 chemicals in these menstrual products that we're not allowed to be told what they are because there's no UK legislation to say that we need to see ingredients on packets, which is terrifying. Yeah. Um. What we do for, know for something that you're has direct contact with a very absorbent part of the body, <laughs> very absorbent absorb. membranes. And if you consider how absorbent that area is and factor in that each pad has the equivalent of four carrier bags of plastic in it, you're not only sitting on those carrier ba- those chem- chemicals, they're also being buffered in by four carrier bags worth of plastic. So there's mm. no air. Yeah. Um so it's, it, if you consider menstrual products, they are 90% plastic when you take into account their packaging, the applicators and the backing strips. Yeah. 90% single-use plastic. Um, and what I'm saying to people is if you're not buying carrier bags at Tesco's anymore, please know that every pad you're using has four. And I heard something last night. It was about, I can't even remember, but it was Louise Pentland on YouTube. She's done a YouTube video about her period-free plastic month or something yeah and she said something about she had actually worked out if you take into account four carry bags per pad it was something like nine hundred thousand carrier bags per menstrual lifetime wow you're using just in your disposables yeah 
Yeah. And I think it, that's, it's really interesting because I have lots of people I speak to who are massively frustrated about packaging around food and going, well, do you know, I've, I've, where can I get a plastic free version of this? And where can I get a plastic free version of that? And I'm like, well, it's, you know, until the industry changes that, that particular one is going to be really difficult. But actually, how about exactly. you make this some switches I mean. in the bathroom? This is you what know? I mean. Yeah. Simple switches, such yeah. simple, simple switches. But I say simple, but I fully understand and respect that all kind of change is a psychological process. Yes. We can't minimise the fact that we have, the, the disposable industries have our complete confidence. They are the most convenient thing that we can do. And mm-hmm. also we've become so disconnected from our periods that yeah. we don't even want to spend more than two seconds dealing with this shit quite Yeah, much. yeah, yeah. So to actually take out and physically wash it is a really, really big ask. Yeah. Which is why it's really important to respect people's journeys around any kind of change. And, you know, as far as menstrual change goes, I always suggest that why don't you just try a couple when you're at home until you build your confidence? Or even if you still want your disposables, just wear reusables at night and then the disposables that you use, use the organic ones that are here in the market now. They've got no chemicals. They biodegrade in 12 to 18 months. They're a great second option. Reusable being the first, obviously, but there's really very little reason to stick with those disgusting, I I hate them, disposables. And I think it's the same with anything. I say that, you know, around nappies and stuff. Like we did reusable nappies with the kids, but couldn't get on with them at night. So they had a disposable every every night. And so, but that was one nappy going in the bin every day as opposed to seven or eight. So we don't have, and again, you know, people say, oh, well, milk and glass is really expensive. Okay, well, just do it at the weekends or just do it one weekend in four, one week in four or whatever works for you. Right. But don't let this all or nothing approach stop you. Yeah. Yeah, don't just turn your back on it because you don't want to have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Me, um, if you're a meat eater and you don't want to go vegetarian, perfect, but buy quality meat. And if yeah. you can't afford to do that every day, buy quality meat three times a week. Yeah, do it less you know, often. We can all make tiny shifts, but it is a psychological process. And I think there's, I think that's what's missing from the market is what you're doing and other brands and what I'm doing where it's that, you know, let's just do what we can. Yeah with what we've got and the knowledge that we've got, but stay open to the yeah. change and appreciate yeah. that it takes time and appreciate that we're all still learning and that there is actual psychological, um, even like, so I, on my podcast, I had uh, not buying new, she's on Instagram called Jade and she, yes. she challenged herself to stop buying clothes as a yeah. shopaholic. And it's kind of following her journey of how she's gone down the secondhand route and everything. That's a massive psychological shift. Yeah. We are trained shoppers now. Um, oh yeah and constantly you know in your inbox will be there's a sale on this and a sale on that yeah, and everywhere you look it, around yeah. you know if you go out there's adverts everywhere and it's just mm-hmm. the, robotic consumers and that's yeah. a lot of work to undo yeah so you've even got to factor in the psychological um thing in the whole of this environmental shift yeah so if somebody is looking to make the shift mm. um obviously everybody's period will be different and will last for different times and be different um different amounts of heaviness that's not even proper a sentence <laughs> you sound like me <laughs> um how many pads do do we need for out on average do you reckon would you say to people to buy for me personally I think 12 is a really good stock and I think that will see you through three to four years okay properly um and that's just from my own findings and talking to other women and 
you know, making sure that you've got enough stock so you're not using and wearing them, using and wearing them, because then that reduces their life as well. Right. So what we've done with Wear Them Out is we, we're offering these different packs. We've got the trial pack for those people who just want to get confident and, and trial out the sizes of the pads to see which one suits their flow best. Yeah. And that's one pad of each. And the this bag we've created that's got two compartments with one zip, it folds up, it's for out and about use, which can be really challenging for some I was going to say, talk, talk to us about that, because I think that's, that will be most people's yeah. main concern is like, what happens when I'm out and about and I have to change? I don't yeah. want to carry this blood sodden thing around with no. me all day. And who would, quite frankly, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, so we've created this little wash bag and it's made out of the, um, the same plastic layer that's on the pad. Um, really sturdy plastic. This will last you forever, this bag, no doubt. Um, and it's got two individual compartments and one zip across both compartments. One side says, wash me. One says, wear me. Mm-hmm. So you keep your clean, obviously, in one side and you're yeah. used. But when you're out and about, firstly, remember, because it sounds terrifying, but when you're out and about, say you're out for like eight hours, you're probably only going to change two or three times. So you're yeah. only going to navigate this situation a couple of times a day when you're out, which is probably isn't every day either. Yeah. Um, but what you'd do is I nip into a disabled. If there's nobody else around, I'm not queue jumping, but yeah. the facilities aren't there yet for the reusable cups or pads or anything. Yes, you need yeah. to think. So I nip into a disabled. You just rinse it out in cold water, get all the excess out. You'll see it runs clean really quickly. Yeah. Um, scrunch it all out, put it in your used compartment, zip it up and go. Yeah. And then every morning I just throw them in the shower and with me and wash them. Yeah. And then once a month I stick them in the machine. But it is literally like they take two minutes to wash. Yeah. And then two minutes or, or sorry, two minutes, a few hours to dry, air dry them. Yeah. So um, I know certainly with um, the Wooka pads when I was talking to Ruby, she said, don't tumble dry them. Is that no, the same for yours? Yeah, because it can really shrink them. Yeah. And it can change the shape. And also don't use fabric softener either. Yeah, because that... I put them in the wash because that, that's like a waxy layer. That it, that hinders absorbance. Yeah. And you should be using it on towels or anything. It's not a great product, to be honest. Yeah. Pretty pointless because actually... <laughs> That's another thing we've been sold into, though, because if you do a wash without it, just try it, go crazy. Yeah. You won't even notice that much of a difference, I'm telling you. People are like, oh, but it's the smell. Get over the smell. That's a bloody, you've been sold that smell. You've been sold to think that that smell is clean. That that's what your clothes need to smell like. Actually, that smell is just chemical crap that's just sitting in your clothes that you're going to be wearing all day. Like, (laughs) it's not not the holy grail, that smell. (laughs) So, yeah, no, no fabric softener. Yeah. Um, but Brilliant. It's, and it's just a case of just getting the hang of it. It's not that big a deal once you start. And I also take women back to the point where they first started their period. Yeah, how, and it was yeah. the same feeling. Like, oh my God, how am I going to deal with these pads when I'm out? How am yes. I going to deal with these tampons? When it's the same kind of fear. But as quickly as you adjusted to that, that's how quickly you adjust to using reusables. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have a, a stash, you have your clever little bag to take out with you. And then um, it's as easy as that. Yeah, and the twelve pack just quickly that we was that I was just going to say about we've created a twelve pack which is a pick your own pack. Oh wow! Because I was going to say, do you have different um, for different flows, different yeah, thicknesses? So we've, got, we've got the daily freshness one, which is just a panty liner, and that can be used for. Well, some people use panty liners just for everyday freshness. Yeah, even if they've got a coil on there, not bleeding, but they just want to freshen up. Mm-hmm. That's what you would use the day pad for that. Then we've got the medium, which is just your general standard, always disposable yeah and then the um we've got a mega pad which is nighttime heavy bleed and then we've got the mega mega pad which is post post birth i was gonna say yeah that that's that's a big thing as well isn't it i, I mean yeah. i remember sitting on these massive oh God, yeah, the old skateboards <laughs> yeah. um yeah and 
so we've got all these options and because like you said earlier some people are light bleed some are heavy people are going to have different requirements so the mm. 12 pack's perfect for creating your own stock yeah. and even if it was just for bladder weakness and you just want the medium i was going to say the the even just the panty liners you could use them for you know if you're going out for a jog or exactly with the kids or whatever and exactly but I have got a, um, a podcast episode landing tonight about pelvic floor because I these 10 lady ads are doing my head in. Um, one, because they're just, they've now got disposable pants, which is terrifying. <gasps> two, yeah, these new 10 lady pants that they've brought out for bladder weakness. But two, oh. bladder weakness is an actual medical condition yeah. that, needs, that can be fixed. We don't need to live. So I've got a podcast coming out tonight with a lady called Anya Hayes who um, is a pelvic floor specialist. Loads of information around the pelvic floor. Because I don't want to sell pads for bladder weakness if women can repair their pelvic floors. So I guess in a way, the the fact that you know we have these tenor lady pants and they're marketed for, mm. it almost normalises the fact that, that, that it's okay that everybody's got bladder weakness. Yeah, and we all joke about it. And I can't do star jumps. I'm four kids, you know, I can't. <laughs> I can, but another myth is that, you know, you can suffer with your pelvic floor without child and not having had a vaginal birth. Right. And men can have pelvic floor issues. This is yeah, well, all been geared around motherhood, but that's not true. And well, somebody said to me that the, the biggest issue with, um, you know, sewage blockages and um, disposable kind of not menstrual products, but these things ending up out in the sea was that so many men now have bladder weakness and are using the male versions of Tenalady. But in men's toilets, there's no um, no bins. Yeah, there's no bins. So they just have to flush it down the loo. And it's just like, God, yeah, why did I... Yeah. That would never what? have occurred to me. You don't know how many women have said to me, I didn't know you couldn't flush them. Yes, I'm yeah. I'm talking about the flushing as well. 4.8 pieces of menstrual waste are being washed up on per 100 metre of beaches being cleaned. So for every 100 metre of beach that's being cleaned, 4.8 pieces of menstrual waste which means there's yeah. a hell of a lot of people still flushing yeah. i read an article that was last year the london assembly um committee had a meeting about unflushables and there's this massive 50 page document about it and i've read through it and it's about nappies and menstrual waste and our waterways are absolutely stuffed full yeah. of menstrual waste yeah and, and even if it makes them sorry even if it makes it to the water treatment center it's some poor bugger's job to then <laughs> call of them out of the out of right. the water do you know like they, yeah. they don't just dissolve no and and not just that they that the physical matter doesn't just dissolve the chemicals that have yeah. been released in the water you know yeah. i mean it's not it's, it's just a huge huge issue so f- if you still want to use your disposables after this conversation i don't judge you do you but please don't flush them yeah yeah put them in the bin put them in the bin pee poo and paper Right, that is the, that's the all the needs going down. <laughs> but also, contact lenses get flushed, and yes. they shouldn't be flushed either. Yeah, I used to. I, used to, I have to say, I hold my hand up. I used to do that because I, I used to. Yeah. yeah, and cotton buds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So pee poo and paper, people. <laughs> that's, <it. laughs> that's all that's got to be flushed. Nothing else. <laughs> so, are there other? As you've been on this journey, and especially since you've started wear them out, and you've probably, as you say, been doing all the research about single-use plastics and disposables are there other changes that you've now made individually and as a family tons and um and it's been slow yeah um it's very expensive to change everything up all this eco stuff comes at a price and again for us as a family it's about offsetting Mm -hmm. um i went to my first refill station at the weekend oh oh, i think i saw your pictures yeah yeah refilled me eco bottles because look i tried the soap nuts hated them 
turns out they're not ethical either because actually we're taking all the nuts from the people who have picked them and should be making their own money from them. Yeah. No, they're not ethical. I went to the eco egg. I hated that. Right. And that's not ethical either because it releases a load of crap. I'm just <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know what I'm doing. I've gone back to my ecover, which aren't yeah. ethical because they're owned by Johnsons and Johnsons. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But but look, I've made my choice. Like I've said, it's my conscience. Yeah. I have chosen Ecova. I take my bottles to the refill shop now. That's new. Yeah. Um, also, we've gone over to Faith in Nature. Shampoos. Yes. Yeah. I got That's what we do because I tried... Oh, I tried the bars and just... I don't like it. No. Yeah. So now we order the five litre bottles and just refill them. There you go. And um, the... I didn't like the bars of soap. Mm, yeah. My kids just stopped washing their hands, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're way too conditioned to actually see the germs on a bar of soap. So yeah. Faith in Nature have hand wash. Um, I think it wasn't that my kids weren't worried about the germs. It was just the like the the physical kind yeah. of sliminess. And this is actually yeah. a bit harder work than just doing yeah. <laughs> I, I just didn't like the idea that everybody touched it i live oh, okay yeah I don't, I don't even eat cheese anymore for fear they may have touched it teenage <laughs> boys are disgusting um yeah we don't drink dairy we um we eat very little cheese and most of mostly it's uh halloumi we don't really okay. eat a lot of yeah. dairy at all we've cut back on meat massively because i can't afford to buy the decent meat yeah um so that's limited um just being mindful of our travel yeah you know flying isn't really top of my agenda anymore <laughs> We've yeah, got a beautiful country. Um, yeah, just as many mindful shifts as we can with whilst whilst maintaining a, a lifestyle where we feel we're actually enjoying things. Yeah, it's not all you about know. austerity and deprivation. And yeah, I don't yeah. want to strip back to the point where everything's just shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, being mindful about every product. Definitely, and, bathrooms an easy swap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, that is so key. What you said about being mindful, and it is just mm. that because. You know, I started out, we spent a year buying nothing new and that was a, wow. you, know, you had to, we had to think about every purchase. And as you said, we've become these robotic consumers and we don't even really think about what we buy anymore. So exactly. having that kind of enforced period of having to think about it really um, opened massive cans of worms, obviously, but it, it, you know, it is that it's just that we're, we'll be in Sainsbury's and grab a couple of t-shirts for the kids or we'll go into Lidl's for milk and come out with a fence sprayer. It's just, it's having to... <laughs> Damn that middle aisle. <laughs> yeah, don't go down the middle aisle. Um, and, you know, and I think we've, we just need to, I say we just, we need to reconnect with, with what we're buying and the impact and, and start to make these more thoughtful choices. Mm, I think make the, um, the big companies the enemy. That's how I'm doing it. Yeah, or not having any more of my money, you bastards. You've already run me dry. I'm not, I'm not lining your pockets anymore. That's yeah. the way I'm looking at it because that's making it easier. But you know, these obsessions run deep, and we are consumer robots. And I was on eBay the other day buying all my used clothes. I was going on a bit mm. of a shopping spree on eBay because I had the urge to shop. Okay, yeah. and everything was three pounds. Yeah, and I didn't realise that eBay actually put a block on me adding any more bids. Oh, really? <laughs> so if you want to learn how to stop spending, go on eBay because they're like, no, babe, you've you've committed enough now. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> they put a block on me for days. <laughs> and, I, and the addiction with the withdrawal was kicking in. Um, yeah. So that that was like, wow, to me. It was wow. like I would just mindlessly bid, bid, bid because it was all so cheap and it's all used. So my conscience is clear. Um, but even then, I still couldn't rein it in. Terrible. <laughs> 
But yeah, moving over. It's, it's mindfulness. And do you know what? It's about being gentle with yourself. Don't judge yourself. There's yeah, no yeah. judgments we made. Any, any changes change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, any step forwards. And even if it's two steps forwards and one back, it doesn't matter. Right. It's all, yeah. Exactly. As long as you're going in the right direction and not abusing, it's the abusers that need to have a little word themselves. So just abuse everything. Yes, just take, take, take. And, yeah, yeah, without any forethought. It's just, mm. that's not cool anymore. Don't do that. Yeah. So what would be your advice for, I think lots of people are, I think we're all kind of vaguely aware of climate change, but we're kind of starting to realise that maybe this is a bigger pile of poo than than we originally thought it might be. And we're feeling the first twinges of a bit of eco-anxiety, but it is quite overwhelming. It's like, well, uh, where where do I even start? And I, do, you know, and I don't want to end up in a yurt and knitting, making my own lentil yogurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So where, what do I, what do I do first? Well, I think you make a great point with the home, bathroom and kitchen, mm. cleaning products. You know, we, we've got to uncondition ourselves that we don't need all these fancy smells. And if you do, you can make them with essential oils and all this other stuff. There's, we've never had so much information available to yeah. make these changes. So make Google your friend and Google your eco cleaning <laughs> products. And if you don't want to make your own, because I don't, no. then find the next best alternative. Always be looking for the next best alternative. Start at the bottom and work your way up to where you're comfortable. Yeah. Uh, the bottom being like proper grassroots eco. Yeah. Um, like I said, I tried the soap nuts, hated them. I tried the eco, hated it. I like the eco bar because it still gives me a bit of that familiar smell and it's a liquid, so it looks recognizable. Yeah. But make sure you use refills and not just buying the bottles every time. Yeah. It's just cost implemented. So you've got to look at the costs, look at where you can afford to make changes mm. and make the simplest changes because it actually becomes quite, once you start feeling the smugness. Yeah. The smugness around the fact that you're doing good, yeah, uh, that grows. And then before you know it, you're looking at all the other ways yeah, to yeah, find yeah. that smugness. So just go gentle with yourself. Go easy. Start looking at your cleaning stuff because that's, that's a twofold thing in that you're reducing your chemical absorption and the plastic waste. Yeah. Um, and, of course, menstrual cycles is a huge one. Yes. I never stop talking about how big a problem that is when you think about it on those, with those stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so the website is wearemout.co.uk. Yeah. And then where can we find you on the old social media? I'm really um, passionate about everybody having this conversation. Um, we're on social media at wearemoutpads on both Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk a lot openly and I'm not guilt tripping. I'm just informing and, and so that you can be informed in your choice. Yeah. But I talk about all kinds of stuff. It's not just about the pads. It's about environment stuff. It's about this um, psychology behind the changing. Mm. It's about learning together. It's trying to like create a community of of people who are in that position of I don't feel I belong anywhere in this conversation. Yeah. No, and you do it absolutely amazingly. Your stories, well, your stories just make me feel exhausted because I think, how does she have the time to do all those Instagram stories? It's just phenomenal. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Hence being in bed, yeah. Yeah, I'm having a day off. Um, But yeah, it's because I'm passion driven. I'm absolutely Mm. passionate about it. And and I'm passionate about women and I'm passionate about um, us working together as a community of women to to communitively create change. Yeah. We've got so much power that you know, that we're not using. Yeah, there's some bonkers, well, there's a couple of bonkers stats that um, 60% of global greenhouse gas emissions come from household consumption 
and 80% of household buying decisions are made by women. Exactly. So actually, when you put those two together, yeah. you see the phenomenal power that we have yeah. to yeah. create change just in this, mm. again, I shouldn't use the word just, but in these daily buying decisions that if we yeah. can start to make a little bit more mindful and a few little shifts, mm-hmm. cumulatively, they will have a massive effect. Exactly that. And, it, you know, feminism comes into it, obviously, because, oh, we, we're not all the ones buying all the cleaning products. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> what we're saying is we know. We know that yeah. Yeah, we are still quite oppressed and we are still the ones doing the shopping. And yeah. we do make a lot of the fundamental decisions around the lot and the responsibility falls on us, which is heavy. Um, but if we do just acknowledge that that is the position that we're yeah. in and stop fighting that fight for a minute and think wow we could make huge change yeah oh i got sent a quote yesterday oh my god let me just it was so beautiful my cousin sent me it i've got it here she says um if the world loses the moral rectitude of its women the world will never recover and i just think well firstly that's an instagram post (laughs) doesn't that speak volumes we we are the ones that are going to turn this around if we all just start creating our small changes when the opportunity arises definitely definitely and that seems like a perfect place to end on so thank you so much lauren for taking time out today when i know you're super knackered (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go and watch some shit tv now i'm all right (laughs) thank you thank you for uh, inviting me on to share my little bit of knowledge in your amazing work you're doing oh i know it's been an absolute pleasure thank you You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, Do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.